Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. Happy Friday, everyone. Jam-packed episode for you today, so why don't we bring on everyone who's going to be on. We have Joe joining us from a remote location. We have Joseph Flynn, and we have Patrick Byrne all on this morning. So let's bring everyone on. Good morning, everyone. Good, Good morning, morning, everyone. Hello, Hello Joe Oltman <laughs> as well. Greetings. Uh, Joe's muted. Great to be here. Joe, you see, Mr. Him, Joe. Altman, you seem to be muted. You muted yourself. I said, I said, Patrick, you seem freshly, uh, freshly shaven. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Nothing but the best That's for so you, Altman. Some movie magic. <laughs> Some movie magic just happened. Um, well, good morning, everyone. Lots to Hello, talk Max. about today. Lots good to talk you. about today. First of all, Joe, how's everything going on the West Coast? They treating you it's well? Going really well. They're, it, they're treating me very, very well, and uh, I, I, I'm headed to an event uh, tonight, and then I have this, it's just a packed number of events that I have on Saturday and Sunday. I'm speaking at a church on Sunday, so it should be, it should be pretty amazing <coughs> giving people the, the good word. Awesome, right awesome. On. Well, so there's lots going on in the country, and I, th I think we, we got to talk a little bit about what just happened in Virginia because it seems like everything we've been we've been seeing with as results uh stemming from like the school board fights to critical race theory to the gender pronouns the parents fought back and the parents won the parents won big in virginia this was this was a race between the parents and the establishment the school boards the people who think that just because they've been elected or appointed they have the right to to decide what's best for your kids it was a huge win is that how you guys see it joe and uh, patrick go ahead joe uh yeah yeah, I think it was a massive win. I think it was uh, – I, I still am a little bit shocked, though, that 48 – and I don't believe that 48% of Virginians voted for Terry McAuliffe. Terry McAuliffe is an extremely unpopular guy. He was a, uh, a failed governor in the past. He's a Clinton hack. And, um, you know, the, the Yonkin win was, was very, very good. He had a really good team. Yonkin had a good team, and he had – a really strong lieutenant governor and attorney general uh, that really buoyed him because Yonkin's more of a kind of a corporate re uh, Republican. But um, I still don't believe that uh, Terry McAuliffe got 48% of the vote. And I think Yonkin and his first executive order should be a forensic audit, specifically of Fairfax and Richmond counties. It's my personal opinion. Yeah. Because he was on his way <laughs> to getting schlonkered until he had his, you know. Uh, I think it's a great win for parents, for students, and really, I think we've touched bottom. We Sometimes you have to reach bottom before you realize you got something to push off. They finally got went after something that no one can live with, and that is taking kids away from their parents. And that's essentially, these are folks who've read Plato's Republic too many times, and they think it's up to them. Do you remember that horrible line Terry McAuliffe said in that, in that uh, closing speech? Setting? Closing speech. 
And what words were we got to get over this idea that parents should dictate what gets taught to their children. Yeah. Well, that was a real Rubicon to cross. And you could even tell as he delivered that line, that was not off the cuff. That had been focused, group tested. That that was he knew when he was saying that that he was crossing a Rubicon. And he's revealing something some of us have sensed for decades that this is ultimately what they're about. Their ideological training has to include taking over your children and telling them you can't teach your children what you want to teach them. So it's really great they finally found rock bottom and something that would make Americans that angry that they would act. Well, we, we, I mean, we, we'd be remiss not to talk about the fact that the, the election looked like set point algorithms that were being used in order to manipulate the election. I still don't believe, as you do, Joe, I believe that the election was mm. stolen. I don't believe that a guy like mm. McCullough could ever get 48% and we saw too much of this same sort of uh, set points that were, were predetermined being created in New Jersey as well. I mean, we're looking at New Jersey. They're basically saying that he lost and he was up by, what, 340,000 votes. And then all yeah. of a sudden yeah. the vote started to see itself out. And now he's, he's barely winning. I just don't believe it. And if you look at what's happening collectively, and, and, and this is what the math tells us. I mean, and I want to talk about this for a minute. If you have seven and three, right, it looks it's a 60 percent. It's a landslide. You have seven votes that go for one and three go votes go for the other. Right. But if I inject phantom votes into the system using the using uh, set points or PID function, um, you know, if I do that and I add 10 to both sides, 10 votes to both sides, what happens? Is it still 17, a 13 slide? Yeah, 17, 13. But now you're looking at a 54 percent vote. Right. Just by injecting 10 into both sides. So stealing the election becomes much easier. We know that this is what they have been using, and we know that this is what they did across all 50 states, but they thought that they would get away with it in Virginia, and the, the, the tide was so big. I believe the exactly. tide was so big. And you saw it. I mean, you saw it go from 97% of the precincts uh, reporting back to 94%. You saw Fairfax say that they were going to rescan. You saw Prince William County literally steal local elections and everyone there is up in is up in arms you see what happened in richmond you see what happened um in norfolk I, I, everyone is is opening their eyes to the reality that they're yeah. that mccullough is not only unpopular right he it was an unwinnable candidate and they still tried to get close to taking the vote but they couldn't they couldn't go backwards again because they knew that that would be the ultimate kind of shot heard across the uh across, heard across the uh country well, you know, we've well, learned, yeah, Joe. Can... Go, ahead. Go, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, we've learned just a quick uh, note in Maricopa. We've learned that they can, that 15 to 20 percent of the vote can be rigged. I thought it was one to two percent. It turns out Maricopa shows there's about 400, 300 to 400,000 highly sketchy, fraudulent votes out of two million. So they can actually jam 15 to 20 percent, which means they can't steal everything, but they can take a a. a Anyway, it means that they can get things a lot closer. And you're right. I think that's what happened in Virginia. Go ahead, Joe Flynn. It, it, exactly. It, I think exactly. that the I Joe said. The, Joe, I'm getting an echo. Joe said yeah, that uh, 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 the tide was too high in Virginia. He's absolutely right. Uh, they just the, the, the amount of votes for Yonkin and his team was overwhelming, and they couldn't pull off a steal. In the case of New Jersey, you got a different situation. No one was even talking about New Jersey prior to the election because they thought it was going to be unless you lived in New Jersey, you weren't hearing about what was going on with this really strong candidate 
in Chitterelli. Uh, you know, that place, I mean, I grew up in Rhode Island. There's probably one other place on the planet that's more corrupt than Rhode Island, and that's New Jersey. And I'll tell you right now, that situation in New Jersey is going to blow up in their face if it's done right, and Chitterelli and his team are going to be relentless in going after Newark, uh, Bergen, and some of these other counties where there's an enormous amount of an anomalies going on. So, you know, I think if one thing could have that we've seen here is that it's opened people's eyes to the fact that, yes, fraud takes place, and, and the fraud is primarily concentrated in Democratic municipalities and Democratic-led um, counties. And it's just a sick and sad thing for our country. But you know what? I think we're, we have them on their heels right now, Joe and Pat, and, um, and they're reeling. And, and, and we need to keep the gas on full-blown. Where do and things stand in saw. New Jersey? Where do things so in stand New Jersey, in New Jersey? In New Jersey, they called it for Murphy. Murphy's right. going on his little victory lap. Obviously, Chitterelli is is challenging it. What we saw in New yep. Jersey and Virginia, though, as you both mentioned, these two states have helped us identify a little bit more. We understood that it was probably happening in the Democrat-controlled cities. That's where they were pumping this in. But when you look at Virginia and New Jersey, it can confirm that they weren't also pumping the fake votes into the red counties, right? Because you saw yep. a massive right. swing at the, in, at the state legislature level, a massive swing in Virginia. Yeah. I think they picked up seven exactly. last time I looked. In New Jersey, I yeah. think they also picked up seven. You had the Senate president in New Jersey, Steve Sweeney, who I've, I used to live in New Jersey. I testified before his committee. He's an asshat. He, he's the worst, but he's <laughs> so entrenched. He's so entrenched that yes. no one could touch him. He was a union boss. Um, he was the kind of guy that, guy that would break your legs if you crossed him. He lost to a truck driver who only spent $153 on his primary campaign and I think only spent $5,000 on his actual general election campaign. You look at his banner. His banner has six different fonts on it. It was like a mess of a campaign, but he still won. He still won. And now Sweeney's coming out and saying and refusing to uh, concede because he thinks they're going to find ballots. They only ever find the ballots when the Democrats need found ballots. Whenever the Republicans exactly. want to look for ballots, they get investigated like in Georgia. Like, don't you dare even look for ballots. But they identify, with this, these, these two races identify that the fraud is happening exclusively or almost yes. exclusively in the Democrat cities. Because if it was happening everywhere, you wouldn't see the Republican uh, red wave in the state legislature, right? You look at the state well, legislature races, you think it should be happening across the, uh, the state. But they're pumping the votes into Fairfax. They're pumping the votes into Bergen, Hudson County, doing whatever they have to win. This podcast is sponsored by Air Med Care Network, the premier insurance plan to cover you and your household should any of you suffer a medical emergency and need to be airlifted to a hospital. We don't get to choose when a disaster strikes. You don't get to choose how you get taken to the hospital. Anyone who has been taken to a hospital or has a loved one who's gone to a hospital by ambulance, you know it's very expensive and you know insurance won't usually cover it. Well, when you have to be airlifted by a helicopter, it's much more expensive. And yeah, insurance won't cover that either. Air MedCare Network exists to make sure you don't risk bankruptcy in the event that someone in your house has to be airlifted to a hospital for medical treatment. So when you sign up at the link in our description, airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily, not only are they going to give you coverage for your entire household for one year for $85, but they're also going to give you money back up to 50 bucks, depending on how many years you sign up for. So again, that's airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 back. I think if I could I, just I add one true. thing, I think, yeah. I, I, I think what they've done here, what has happened 
is has shown everybody that in, in last year in 2020, in states like New Jersey, in states like even New York, Rhode Island, others, blue, hard blue states, Trump got millions more votes than he got, than he would have normally gotten. And they just used the mail-in ballot scam to, to, um, to, to stuff the ballots and, and swing the vote. So, you know, I think the blue states are on the table, in my opinion, going forward, if we get this right. Joe Altman, sorry. Go ahead. No, Patrick, you had something you were going to say. Uh, no, no, no. You, I, I defer to your wisdom. You go first. <laughs> so I think that we look at what's happening, Max. I don't agree with you that they're not actually stealing ballots in red controlled areas because they're using the same machines. I am not just convinced, but I know that the machines are a part of the steal. And we look at Maricopa mm -hmm. County, Patrick, and, and specifically Maricopa County. When we finally got the ballots to do the audit, all the ballot boxes were open except for the 53. They were scattered precincts in each one of the boxes. They kept us away from doing the kinematics on the, on the ballots to make sure that the paper was legitimate. So we know that they had five months in between do, starting the audit and when the election ended, that they were doing all sorts of things. And obviously you had the chicken coop of the guy that ran elections where his chicken coop burned down with 160,000. People just think we're stupid, right? <laughs> but we know that the steal yeah. is happening, right? And we and, and now most of the country can, will, will attest to it's happening, but they're seeing, seeing it in real time. That something like this happens. True. And you say Fairfax, say these other, these other uh, blue areas, even those blue areas are astounded, right? They're astounded by what's happening you know, across the uh, across the spectrum, because a lot of the defection happened on the Democrat side, for sure. Yeah, I think that we're living I've known for 17 years. I was dealing with some activists from both sides 17 years ago and learned for the first time that, that people thought there was a how easy it was to cheat. And the Democrats were telling me how they thought the Republicans cheated. And the Republicans were telling me how the Democrats cheated in Philadelphia. The Democrat was from Kentucky. And she was telling me how the Republican sheriff made it. And I kind of, I looked into it enough that I had the impression that you could kind of cheat one or 2%. It probably cut both ways. Probably was a net benefit of 1% or so to the Dems. And that probably affected some significant number of races, you know, that were that close. And that's where I left it. But now we know, I mean, this is, Americopa was the first full audit, and it wasn't even a full audit, but the first real audit in American history, because election audits are a joke. Election audits are a technician comes in, turns on the machine as he holds two buttons down. It does a little test and says, yes, my logic and accuracy is working. And they write that down in the, the version of the software, and that's the audit. This was the first time we've actually, any Americans have been able to go in and look, and it turns out it's 15 or 20%. It's fake. And that's been, I think it's going on all over the country. I think all over America, there are elected officials who are only in their seats because of uh, criminal uh, election fraud. And so what has to happen is the Supreme Court has to start earning its paycheck. Eventually, the thing to understand is when you stuff a, a thousand ballots, that's exactly, that's, that is voter suppression. Because there's a thousand real people out there whose votes just got suppressed. And we're familiar with one type of suppression. Remember these, in, uh, this is a picture of Alabama, a black man in 1962 being kept away from the polls by some deputy with a, with a German shepherd. How awful, yeah. how awful that ever happened in America. Well, that just happened 400,000 times in Maricopa. 
just had, they don't use dogs anymore. They use computer algorithms. But the, the fundamental act, voter suppression, just happened 400,000 times in Maricopa and all over the country. They're also, this is Jim, they're also this doing is it through Jim the mail. Hall. They're also doing yeah, it through the mail. We mail. saw that in Virginia. The, the freak out that happened the two or three days before the election where they realized that hundreds of thousands of the ballots that they expected to be delivered by USPS weren't. Now, if, if any of wow. us had tried to vote by mail, and uh, well, the, U, the Postal Service apparently held it up, there were mistakes. Lots of ballots didn't reach voters. So if, if any of the four of us were trying to vote by mail and we, and we happen to be in the state, if the ballot doesn't get to us, we go and vote in person, right? We don't, we're not mm -hmm. disenfranchised. It might be a little inconvenience. We might have to change our schedule around if we were expecting to be out of state and need to vote. But we wouldn't be disenfranchised. With the left, whenever a ballot doesn't reach the voter, they claim it's disenfranchisement, as if that voter can't just hop in the car, hop on a bus, go to the polling place and vote in person. The reason for that is if they don't get the ballot, if they can't harvest the ballot, they can't actually get the vote. Right? They're, they're counting on the harvested ballot. They, they know that if the person doesn't get that harvested ballot, chances are they're not going to vote because they're counting on them not to vote. And they're counting on harvesting the ballots from the non-voters. So that's why they were can freaking I, out. Can I tell you a court case that was decided in April by a Democratic judge in, Georgia, in uh, Mississippi? Mississippi, in a case yep. In case involving two Democrats. It was Ardeen, or Aberdeen, Mississippi, I think. Democratic judge, two Democrats at, in the case at war with each other on election. The judge determined that the mail-in ballots on the Democrat side, and this is the Democrat primary of last year of 2020. So the Democratic primary between two Dems, the Democratic judge decided there was a court case afterwards. It reaches this conclusion this April. And the judge decided that of those Democratic primary votes, that the mail-in votes, what percentage of them were fake? Was it 2%? Was it 5%? Was it 10? No, it was 78%. 78% of the yeah. Democratic primary mail-in votes in Alabama in 2020 were fraudulent, said a Democratic judge. Do we think for some reason they forgot how to do it between June and November? They still, the Democrats clearly have mastered the art of generating fraudulent ballots out of mail-in, uh, using the mail-in ballot system to create fraud, a massive fraud, 78%, as decided by a Democratic judge in a case involving two Democrats. So clearly the Dems have figured out that technique and you're absolutely right, Max. That was a long way of saying you're absolutely it's, right, Max. <laughs> Max, it, it's, it's exactly why in, in the blue states, in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, you know, these, these kind of states up in New England, they are instituting mail-in ballots forever. It's what they wanted to do in HR1. Mail-in ballots is the way to perpetrate fraud. You can, you can if, you don't have the, if you don't have the votes you need, you just fill out the ballots, you stuff the ballot boxes, and then you put them through the machines, and then you win the election. I mean, it's, it has nothing to do with people's ability to get to the voting polls or show their ID or anything like that. It's all about fraud, and, and that's, how they're, that's how they're trying to take the whole country down. I mean, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's obvious, you know. It's 100, there's 150 nations that have voting out of 180 in the world. 150 of them have elections. 149 of them do not have mail-in voting. One nation has mail-in voting, us, yeah. as of this last and election. Most... And now they are trying to institutionalize that. It's, uh, you can't, mail-in voting in every yeah. nation that has voting in the world, they understand it's just a total, there's no integrity at all in the supply chain, going out or it's coming a train in. wreck. And, 
and most of those countries have some form of ID, even in the most rudimentary form, you Every stick country. your finger Every into the iodine, you stick your finger into the iodine exactly. to make sure that you can't vote again, that everyone can see you got the blue finger. <coughs> um, the other thing that um, I know, Joe, I'm going to bring put this up in a second. The other thing I want to mention before we get off of this is it's interesting that the Republicans always really do well in off year elections. They love to say that that has to do with voter turnout, yeah. that the Democrats just aren't excited. It's the Republicans who are really excited against the party in power. But if, if you think about it, one of the reasons that Republicans probably do so well in off year elections is because you don't have the major spending that's associated with midterms and associated with presidential races. You don't have the, the hundreds of millions of dollars being spent on the ballot harvesting, the get out the vote stuff that the Democrats yeah. use to steal those big races. So without exactly. the Obama for America types coming in and running the ballot harvesting, there's no one to stop the state Senate president in New Jersey from losing to a trucker who spent $153 because they don't actually have it. Can I tell you a great what? story on ballot, ballot? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Patrick. Go ahead, Patrick. Let me tell no, you a story. No. You know, I used, I used to work uh, just on the subject of ballot harvesting. I used to work for Mr. Buffett out in the Midwest, you know, and I ran and there were a number of factories I was running and they, they, were, union, they were all union except for one. And that was a one down in San Antonio filled with like a hundred Latina, uh, wonderful women. And Buffett said, when I first went in, make sure that nothing, no factory of this company that could land us on the news. So I made sure and this was not a sweatshop. I made sure everything operation was really nice and such. And the women, the women there seemed to very well loved each other. And I used to go visit this factory a lot and they were all great to me and such. Well, the union came in a lefty SE, SEIU type union came in to one day and said, we've signed up 97 of your hundred people have signed cards saying they want a union. I said, that sounds a little hard for me to believe. They had the cards, but I didn't accept them. I said, I want to run a secret ballot. I mean, I want to run a normal ballot. We had a retired federal judge. He retired the week before Hispanic go into the factory. All the management left the factory. The, his, the retired, recently retired federal judge went in taught the women their rights, had a national labor relations voting box, ran a, ran a secret ballot. In the secret ballot, they voted 87 to 13 against the union. And, and, so, <laughs> and so we didn't have a union. So when I went and sat with them afterwards, I said, what happened? I thought, why did you all sign these cards? And they said, oh, Senor Patik, you don't, you don't understand what happened. I was sitting on my point. This is like a little lovely, you know, Latina yeah. woman, say 50 years old, who grew up in San Antonio, wonderful gal. Just I was sitting on, you know, grandmother, I was sitting on my porch and three men from the union showed up and they're all your size and her. And they all show up and they said, yeah. you know, you're, uh, listen, we're not leaving till you sign this card. And they kept me there for an hour until I finally signed the card to get them off my porch. That's, that's what happens. If you allow mail from home, uh, mail-in ballots on a widespread basis and ballot harvesting, you're going to have that all over. You're going to have goons showing up at apartment houses and going door to door and saying, hey, you don't need this. Or they're going to look over your shoulders. You fill out your ballot. It's the end of secret voting. And that's the real reason yeah, exactly. it's got to be stopped. Exactly. But the real reason is people exactly. have goons exactly. on people's porches. It's the end of secret voting. Can't have it. Yeah. So, yeah, Joe, yep. you just sent over this graph. Why don't we put up my screen, Mr. Producer, and Joe, why don't you walk us through what this graph means? So there should be no correlation. So I want to talk about the Virginia governor's race because we've been doing an amazing amount of information on the math side. Uh, this came from Draza Smith. So Draza was 
was plotting um, out the election for Yunkin and McCullough and was using uh, different states as a comparative. So she went through and said, okay, I'm going to look at North Dakota. I'm going to look at Georgia. I'm going to look at Texas. I'm going to look at different areas where we have information. And the thing that I want to show you here is if you look at Yunkin and McCullough and you look at the graph itself, there's certain areas that should not follow the same curve, right? This is the 2020 um, uh, North Dakota Biden-Trump um, election and the 2021 Virginia governor's race. Do you notice how it follows the same curve? And in certain timestamps, reporting intervals, it actually has the same increases and decreases from state to state, right? This mathematically should never happen, should never happen. Yet this is what's actually happening in our elections. And this is why we look at injected ballots and the fact that they fight against forensic audits so badly. They're fighting against these forensic audits. I truly believe what's come out of Mesa County in Colorado is life-changing compared to what it just reaffirms what happened in Antrim County, reaffirms what happened in Maricopa, but there's nothing they can say because we have the forensic image before and after, and we're showing how they actually stole the election without actually. Tell us what's tell us where we tell, tell us the state of play in Mesa. Last I heard that we had documented that that they changed that they wiped the, they wiped out the image and created a new one. Where has that led to? What's your analysis show? Yeah, expound on that, Joe. Give us an update on that, Joe. Yeah, go ahead and pull this down, Max. So that so in Mesa County, they've been able to have you know Jeff O'Donnell is is developed a uh, forensic report uh, that basically talks about the different parts of the logs that were deleted. It talks about the fact that they would only partition or allow for say 65 KBs um, on the uh, uh, internal logs for uh, uh, external logs. I'm sorry for um, uh, internet connection. You had the um, the logs for the uh, antivirus were all deleted, and the system was designed like a chalkboard, right? Let's say you have a chalkboard, and somebody draws a line on it. As you delete the logs in every single area, you, in essence, are deleting the entire pathway of that line. That's what they uncovered in Mesa County. No matter what they say, they know that they're caught, but they're just now saying, oh, there's nothing to see here, nothing to see here. Wayne Williams, who brought Dominion Voting Systems into Colorado, is uh, the one that was responsible for the Mesa County election this this uh, go around. And 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 frankly, I don't know how they're running away from it, other than the fact that we have a compromised judiciary. I know there have been lawsuits that have been filed, and now we're moving down the pathway of okay, let's put this in front of a judge and see if the judge is actually going to honor the fact that that election should be decertified. I heard that there was a prosecutor interested in this, in this, Mr. Altman. Am I correct? I heard some scuttlebutt that there is a prosecutor quite interested. Is that correct? Well, the, the prosecutors, the prosecutors listen to it, but keep in mind that the deputy uh, county clerk and recorder, um, Belinda, was actually charged with burglary for going in under the direction of the county clerk. And the DA in Mesa County charged her with a crime, right? So, so there's a and and that and that da is working side by side with merrick garland so we got merrick garland in the middle of a local election at a county clerk and recorder's office supporting the da and charging the deputy county clerk and recorder for digging into and doing an investigation on the secretary of state so there are a couple of, of prosecutors that have said hey look i'll put my name in the hat to investigate it but frankly there's no appetite for it because none of these people have courage right we, we are dealing mm -hmm. with a a group, a compromised judiciary, 
all the way to the yeah. core, right? So getting them to oh, a yeah. place where we can get to, get to the right. I mean, it's going to take public pressure. And frankly, I think that the people in Mesa, even through this election, realize that the amount of uh, fraud that occurs inside the machines is is uh, monumental. Dominion has got to go. Dominion has got to go. Got to go. Bless you. It's so funny. Have you noticed, Joe? How Joe Altman? Have you noticed how how squeamish, how punctilious they were about you know when, when the guys were down in Maricopa trying to do an audit? They were not even allowed out of two million votes. They couldn't take one little corner of one piece of paper yeah. and test the paper because that would have been defacing a ballot, and ballots are sacred. Meanwhile, you find out how they treat ballots. There's hundreds of thousands of this that disappear, hundreds of thousands of that yeah. that make up, hundreds of thousands of things that have no backup. They are as loosey-goosey. It's a joke. And yet they're saying, oh, yeah, these are, they pretend to the public, these are so pristine that we cannot let cyber ninjas take one little corner of a piece of paper to test anything. That would be, say, you know, uh, taboo. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. That- and and they're, they're, they're trying to steal the election from Edward Durr, that guy who beat out the New Jersey state Senate president, the state Senate president, Steve Sweeney is refusing to re- to concede. And he's saying, oh, we're going to find the ballots. He said, oh, we just found 12,000 ballots in a county. Let's keep looking. I mean, if they won't let you just test a piece of paper, they're able to violate the chain of custody all day long. And it's always how it works. They always find the ballots in the trunk of a car. Oh, we left it in the rental car. Oh, we found it in yeah. in the mail in the mailbox. There's always some backstory to it. But the look minute the that Al you Franken. want to actually look at it, they say no. Yeah. Do you remember the Al Franken election? They kept finding for yeah. weeks. Oh, they found an extra yeah. bag in, in the, the trunk. trunk of someone's trunk they've forgotten yeah. about. Well, if that were true, how what would that tell us about how loosey goosey the system is? If you can have, you know, it's, people of three weeks later finding a bag of ballots in the trunk, it means, wow, that system is really loosey-goosey. But the truth is, it's all a lie anyway. It's loosey-goosey. It's so loosey-goosey that they're cheating. And since they have such information dominance, they can do these blatant, blatant things, disregard the law, just, you know, just laugh in the face of the public, and they have the media to just back their play. I, I, would, I would venture to say... <clears throat> that the United States Postal Service, many of whom, particularly their leadership, is a, are, are, are card-carrying members of the AFL-CIO, are deeply, deeply behind all of this fraud. They were in on this fraud from the beginning when they knew that mail-in ballots were going to become kind of the standard or, or heading towards the standard because of the pandemic. I think we're going to find out over the next 12 months how deeply entrenched the AFL-CIO members of the U.S. Postal Service and how much they were behind all of this fraud. I, I, I truly I, do, Patrick. I agree, Joe. And in fact, I'm, I'm quite confident. Have you noticed that when Obama put his federal mandate on for vaccines, first group he excluded was the 700,000 members of the Postal Union, which is exactly. odd enough. But when you also consider those are the federal employees who have the most contact with as many different people in the public, and if you actually really believed in the vaccine ideology, they would be the first federal workers you uh, gave the vaccine to, and yet they were the, they were the first group excluded. Do you think that might have been a payoff? No, no coincidence there. 
Yeah, I dealt with the there. Postal Union in my career. They, and you're right. They are like, I, there's, thugs. Usually two, there's usually two types of unions. Well, the thugs like the Teamsters, but you can do good business with them. I'm good with the Teamsters. I agree. Yep. I, I, yep. We actually did because the ones I couldn't stand were these kids who had like gone to Yale and wanted to study, wanted yeah. to talk about Derrida's you know, deconstruction of asymmetric power relationships. They're a bunch of Marxists. They don't care that they were destroying factories. And those kind of people are, well, the postal union were somewhere in between. They weren't the intellectuals, uh, but they were thugs, but they weren't like the Teamsters that you could do business with. They were thugs. I had guys threaten to break my legs and we got in a scuffle in a parking lot with some postal service guy I got back in the 90s. They're, they're kind of thuggish, but they don't have the charm of the Teamsters. Well, speaking of the vaccine, if we put up my screen, Mr. Producer, going to give everyone an alert. Hot new T-shirt just dropped on the Conservative Daily Store. The slavery T-shirt. This is a collaboration between me and Joe. I designed it. He he picked the word slavery. It's a hammer and sickle shirt. Instead of the hammer, it is a syringe. So pick up your communist vaccine slavery T-shirt today at the Conservative Daily Store using the link in the description. And, and Matt, I love it. We've sold We've sold like 5,000 of these t-shirts. So you guys need these t-shirts. I want to see them everywhere. And when I talk about slavery, I wear them. when I talk about slavery, this is where I really get into, this is where I get hot, right? They want to raise your taxes. The average American today pays a 52% tax. That's their effective rate is 52%. That means that 12 months out of every single day is owned by the government, which means the first six months of the year, everything that you work for is for free. The government takes 100% of it. That is a definition of slavery, and that is what has got to stop. They're taking this money and sending it overseas. They're basically creating a slush fund for themselves, and they're treating you like you're a sharecroppers on the on your property. It's got to stop. It's got to yeah. stop. And so when I say sure, slavery, yeah. it's slavery. They're, they're... Go ahead. You know, there were slaves who were given that deal in the South. In the South, there were slave owners who made deals. If they had s slaves who were particularly skilled artisans or shoemakers or or they farriers, they did horseshoe blacksmiths. They were allowed to go out and you go hold any job you want, just like a labor, come back and you split 50 50 with the owner. So it's a that it is a form of slavery that ran just like that. Serfdom that runs just like our current system, where basically we're all serfs, the government owns us, and you got to split half of what uh, of what you make with them. And and you know, it so, wouldn't be so offensive if we thought they were actually spending it well. Yeah. No. So January 4th is a big date. The Biden administration is going to shove it down the throats, the vaccine down the throats of every business owner with 100 employees or more. I'm praying to God that print? there are. Did you read the well, fine print no, on that so order? Ahead. The, the fine print oh. on the order leaves the door open for them to lower the number of employees right. during the 30 day yes. comment period. So they're not even right, sticking with 100. I, they could they could lower it to 50. They could lower it to 25. They, were, they could lower it to 10. And they're going to do it in the middle of the comment period. So they're not going to have a new comment period, right? If they decide it, that will be the final version. And you won't be able to fight back. So if everyone has to fight back against this one. Go ahead. I got so what does that something. mean? What does that mean? Well, well, hold on. Let me, let me make one more point there. What does that mean? They just got their asses handed to them in Virginia mm -hmm. and, and most likely in, uh, in New Jersey. But they're doubling down. They are doubling down. You would have thought that they would have taken a yeah. step back and said, "Oh, hold on a second. Why don't we wait and just see how the how the how the tide how the tea leaves are?" Uh, uh. They're doubling down, and they're gonna they're yeah. gonna continue to double down. Well, they're doing both. Obviously, they delayed 
to January 4th. So obviously they know that it's going to be really bad if, for example, any trucker, any trucking company that handles federal contracts all of a sudden loses all of its truckers because they don't want to they don't want to get vaccinated. That's going to destroy destroy the supply chain. Right. So they know that. But but the caveat, the fine print where they're they're going to say, okay, you have 30 days now to comment on this regulation, but you're only allowed to comment on the hundred employee mandate. And then one day, and then once the comment period closes, they're going to go back to the drawing board. They're going to change it to lower the threshold and no one's going to be allowed to comment on that. It's just going to go right into effect. So May on I the one hand, on they are, now? they are backing up. On the other hand, they're doubling down because they want to do it in a way that won't let people fight back against them. Max, let me comment on that I'd lo- because that's I've seen the government do this once and only once, and I think you're right. I saw the SEC do this, and I'm going to put this. In a ma- this happened by the 19, I think it's 1973 Administrative Procedures Act. How it works is they propose something. There's 30 days for the public to comment. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to listen to the public comment and then finalize it. Imagine I saw this happen once before. I'm going to put it in these terms. So they're now proposing a rule that says any firm with 100 or more says it gets vaccinated. Suppose 10,000 people, suppose a million people comment in the next, you know, before January 4 saying, we think if you're going to do it, it shouldn't be 100, it should be 250. Imagine what, Imagine everybody comes in and does that comment. And then when it's all over, the comment period's over, they close the books. They say, okay, we're going to think about it for a second. And then they come out and they issue the order is the line is drawn at 10. Yeah. It, technically, they have satisfied yeah. the needs of the APA. They've te- And I've seen the government do this once. It was on a very crucial rule regarding regulation show that the SEC promulgated in 0405. And they, as sinister yeah. as this sounds, I've seen them do it once. And it sounds to me like they're setting up to do it again. They kind of need one person, though. I mean, they could do it however they want to the government. But if one person writes a letter that says, "Hey, I think it should be 10, all of a sudden they have why. a much bigger they have, they have a much bigger window. To say, well, we listen to the public, and we listen to to John Smith, who made very better. compelling points. Yeah. people said this. Made, this yeah, yeah, I've seen made very compelling points, the- and we agree with John Smith. We're going to lower it to 10. Comment period is closed. Uh, added to the Federal Register. Best of luck, everyone. I think that mm, we have. Exactly. I think that. Be- there's a reason they're doing this and they know that the ground is crumbling beneath them and we need everyone to stay cool like Fonzie because the ground is crumbling <laughs> beneath them. Your opponent makes this stay. Remember Pulp Fiction? We're going to be cool like Fonzie. Okay. Uh, we're going to be like Fonzie. Cool. They, uh, the ground's crumbling beneath them and that's why they're rushing, rushing, rushing. They know they got to get as much of this done as they can. Some very big things are going to happen between now and January 4th. I think it's going to be a different world. And for one thing, since Mike Lindell has talked about it publicly, something's happening on November 23rd. Uh, he talked about it last week publicly. Oh, Mr. Altman, you want to share? You want to talk about that? What, what's happening? No, no, I want you to talk about it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, there's a Supreme Court case being filed by a wonderful attorney that Joe Flynn uh, and Mike Flynn both know well. Wonderful attorney. Uh and it's going to be, and it's a game changer. And when Mike, when, when uh, Lindell says this should be nine to nothing, uh, because this, this, you know, remember what got filed last December was a few weeks into this. We were all scrambling. We didn't have, you know, we had, we had ideas and numbers, but we tend to, and yeah, the Supreme Court turned that case down. We know a hell of a lot more than we did last December. And the case that's going to get filed 
has devastating information in it. There's, I don't think there's any way the Supreme Court can turn this down. If they do, it will be a mistake on the order of Dred Scott. Dred Scott, 1857, made the, the Civil War inevitable. They can't turn a blind eye to the evidence that is going to be submitted. And if, if is it nine to nothing? Well, Lindell's a salesman. Maybe that may be a bit of an overstatement. But I can't imagine that the Supreme Court doesn't take it. And I can't imagine that. So I think the world's going to get very, very different starting right around Thanksgiving time. And in addition, I'm working with this wonderful gal, Tori, Tori says, who has built a system I've never seen of open source lawfare. And they have gotten in the last month, filed 48 state Supreme Court cases against mandate vaccines and 25 federal uh, district cases against uh, school, school mask mandates. So this is getting, in the last month, they are, the federal and state Supreme Court systems are getting flooded with cases challenging mandatory vaccines. And the, the, anyway, the courts are getting dragged into this and Biden's had a free reign. Maybe the courts will find the backbone now to say, to start applying the law again. Well, we did a great interview last night with uh, Jeffrey Steele, the father of Sophia Steele. I'm sure you guys have read about this, the, the Down syndrome Vaccine? child oh. in, in Florida who was nonverbal and the school was forcibly tying a mask to her face every day so she couldn't take it off she had to breathe through her mouth so her mask was getting soaked with water and it was like almost being waterboarded she couldn't breathe and she's nonverbal. she couldn't explain it and the only reason her father found out he explained this on our podcast last night anyone who didn't listen make sure you go back and listen to it the only reason they found out was because one day they forgot to take the mask off and they put her on the bus with with the mask physically tied with rope around her head so there's lots of really disgusting cases that are wow. just starting to come to the surface. And uh, he, he's going after them. I was encouraging him last night to go after the, the school board members individually because they're on record admitting that they're breaking the law. They're breaking the, the parent bill of rights law that Florida has. That they're, they but you mean go after them legally and peaceably? Yeah. Just to be clear. Yeah. Like legally, not go after them, right. Yeah. Yeah. So as, as a body well, and as individuals, because they can't claim... They can't claim qualified immunity if they're on camera at these meetings admitting that they're voting to break the law, right? And if all these people are admitting that they know it was illegal what they were doing, they can't just say, oh, I was just doing my job. So right. he he has a couple of lawsuits coming down the pike. And that story, but, but, they've been doing what, it to her since August 30th. And it only just broke the last couple of weeks. Oldman, go ahead, sir. Well, the, the, hey, listen, the, the, there is something we need to talk about here, right? So... We got a nine-year-old little girl that was raped on the streets by an illegal in Uvalde, Texas, right? Nine-year-old girl on the border, right? You got a, you got a woman that was raped on a, on a train where 30 people watched it. A couple people took videos of it. One of those people actually put it online. You got an 11-year-old boy in California that died of starvation because there's a food desert. You got a kid in Florida that's being abused by these people and having a mask tied with a rope around her head. I mean, we have we have a break we have a breakdown of societal common sense, right? We have a breakdown yeah. of just the basic ethics that we have in the community. And so I, I have to tell you, I mean, you talk about Loudoun County and the and that you know that boy that dressed up with a case skirt, there. went in the bathroom yeah. and, and raped and raped that girl not once, but went back out, came back in and raped yeah. her twice. Then they transferred her to a different school, that kid to a different and school, he and he raped another girl. another girl. And did you hear I, what the mother I mean, said? I'm going to put. I'm, 
What did the mother say? Oh, this is egregious. Put up my Blame screen. the girls. Blame the girls. Yeah. Blame the girls. Victim blaming. So you can't read it in the paint, but it says Loudoun County rapist mother. It was an accident and a real victim wouldn't, quote, sit there and take it, end quote. <laughs> so much for uh, feminism, this, right? Yeah. No, but who's ox is being murdered, who's being raped. Sorry, we, go ahead, Joe. I'm going to, Patrick, I do not advocate for violence. I do not advocate sure. for violence. I've never sure. advocated for violence. But let me tell you something. If someone would have done that to my daughter, right, I would drag that person behind my car until every body part falls off. I'm going to tell you right now that at, at that point when your daughter's being raped, not once but twice, and then victim shamed out there, I, I don't know how to contain myself knowing that these people, these evil people, these radical leftists, and I know you're not a Republican, you're a libertarian, these radical leftists, are literally redefining what they can do to people on a normalized basis. And I think that's just wrong. I think it's wrong. Absolutely. At some point, you have to stand up and <laughs> grab those stones and sling them towards the head of, of uh, Goliath because it's, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. Well, I, they, I definitely, they, stop. they definitely are pushing. They're definitely pushing the limits. I mean, I don't know if you're watching the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, trial yeah. as well, Max. <laughs> Kyle is going to get yesterday. Kyle's going to. Yeah. Huh? No, I was just going to say, yes, I mean, that went terrible. Yeah, for the prosecution. Yeah, I mean, he's going he's gonna to get let off. But don't be surprised if they riot like hell in Kenosha and Milwaukee and maybe other cities in the Midwest when Kyle Rittenhouse walks away scot-free, as he should, for defending himself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a great example. Joe, I just saw that, you get worked immediately up. After, immediately after he gets exonerated and the precedent is set that when you are attacked – by rioters, you have the right to defend yourself. The irony is that in light of that ultimate ruling, the left will go out and do it again. <laughs> it takes a real idiot to do that. Well, I, I, I cut you off. I got, I saw you get so worked up. It's kind of funny. They had to cut me off on a show this morning. I am a small L libertarian. <laughs> I'm a pacifist. I don't like violence. But and I was on a show in America's Voice this morning and they had to cut because I, at the end, when we got on this subject, and the subject of parents being told you don't get to decide what your children are taught, remember McAuliffe testing that line? Yeah. I I got myself about even more worked up than you. They had to cut me off. <laughs> so yeah, I get how worked up you are, but we're going to keep it peaceful. And you know why? Because we're going to win. If we keep it peaceful, we're going to lose. If we don't, give us two more months keeping this peaceful. Before you reach that January fourth, it's going to be a different world. It's given a different world. If I'm incorrect about that, you, uh, you, but I think it's going to be a different world between now and January 4. We are getting them. This is like a, in a chess game, a pawn advance. When I play more powerful players and myself in chess, I use this technique called a pawn advance. It's just a very gradual. You move. They never see it coming because they're just pawns. They never see it coming. And they reach this point where suddenly they find all their plans getting tangled up in your pawns. And that's when you strike. They are, we are getting them tangled up. It's really by having all of this in all these judges' hands and soon in SCOTUS' hands with a ton of evidence, there is no way. You know, the Supreme Court made the Civil War inevitable by the Dred Scott decision. They also have a second strike against them when they bent a knee to FDR's court packing scheme. This will be the third, and thir three strikes are out. Three strikes were out as a republic if they do not take this case and look at the evidence. Can we pivot to Maricopa? Because uh, I love to. Go ahead, Joe. No, go, Joe. Joe, go. 
I was I want actually wanted to ask you your opinion, Joe. We're I like to pivot to Maricopa because I think Patrick's right. I do think we have them on their heels. We're hearing some things about what the Attorney General uh, is planning on doing. What are your thoughts on what's going to happen in Maricopa here over the next sixty days? Optimistic or pessimistic? Well, well I, you know, I'm optimistically pessimistic. And the reason why I say that is because it's going to take an, an amazing amount of fortitude. It's going to take an amazing amount of courage uh, to do the right thing. And that's not something that has been innately uh, present in any of our elected leaders on both sides of the aisle. So I think he has yeah. an opportunity because of all the things that came out of canvassing. We're starting to, you know, as, as Patrick, you start talking about the veil being lifted, the veils being lifted on Merrick Garland getting involved in the election, trying to scare and intimidate them on doing canvassing. So someone came around the bend and did canvassing and it showed in a bunch of a bunch of fraud. So I think that yeah. the uh, I, I think that there's an opportunity for for the AG to do the right thing. Right. I think that he just needs political cover and he needs to make sure that as you go down this path, that the people still have the appetite for it. So we have to keep up the push. And I think that that'll that'll create more of this optimism. But I, but I do know that some of the leaders that we have out there, they don't want to their concern is not on whether or not the election stolen. And I've had conversations with with people that elected office across the entire country. They are all convinced. Every single one that I've talked to said, Joe, there is no doubt that the election was stolen. But I do not want to be the one to put the pin in a constitutional crisis. And I'm not sure that they don't understand that in Maricopa County, by not I doing do. the right thing with all that evidence there. I do. Left. I want to put the pen in a constitutional crisis if the alternative is the end of our republic. The gravestone that says 1776 to 2021, I'll put the pen in the constitutional crisis or pull the pen or whatever. I, and I, I agree with you fully. I agree with you fully. And I think that we're already in a constitutional crisis. I think we're in it right now. Yeah. Because frankly, half of this country, I bet you more like 70% of this country are, 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 are seeing what's happening in our nation as the, the biggest. It's ridiculous, right? And even people across the world are saying, guys, what is wrong with you? You're Americans. Stand no, I know. up. Do I know. something. You know who right. started the constitutional right. crisis? You know who the insurrectionists are? Right. Whoever stuffed 400,000 votes in Maricopa. That's those, and, and, and those are the insurrectionists. We're the constitutionalists. Oh. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Have you noticed? So what, I don't go ahead, Joe Flynn. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you mentioned uh, uh, the AG. Will he have the political will? We're hearing he does and has the political will, and he is is fixed on the fixated on this and wants to go nuclear. I don't think he has yeah, a. I don't think he, he's a first. I don't think he has a I don't think he has a future without doing that. Patrick, what do you think? No, he has no future without doing it. But he's a first generation American and his parents fled Eastern Europe. He knows something about authoritarian socialism and he yeah. doesn't want any peace. And he understands that the fate of the Republic may lie on him doing just a good basic job. And I hear he's exactly. He's he wants to bite the ass off a bear here is what I hear. He he wants to go after this. People are people are anxious for action. We understand that. I mean, we get a lot of grief about how long this is all taking. Look how long it's taking for Durham to get to where he is now. It never had to take as long as it did with Durham. 
But Durham is, is unraveling a wool ball right now that is pretty interesting based on what happened yesterday with Dashenko's arrest. I hope it doesn't take that long for election integrity because I don't think we have that long. Um, but the Durham investigation is a continuation of the coup that we're dealing with right now. These people that are in power right now were involved in all of that, uh, right. all of that nonsense that has now led to, you know, the, the stealing of an election and a lot of uh, authoritarian tyranny trying to be forced down our throats in a very fast and quite frankly, very unorganized way from a, a, from a weak, uh, I think a weakened democratic left. Um, but people are gonna have to stand up. I think Joe, you hit it on the head. I mean, you see protests in Italy, you see protests in France every weekend in every city, millions of people out there. We're kind of hanging out here in our cushy little houses and our swimming pools there, and whatever gonna, else people got. <laughs> there's gonna be opportunities to rally coming up coming up in fact i want people to mentally put in a rally on wednesday the 24th of november i haven't figured out what the rally is about so just as a what to, i haven't figured out how to tell you what it's about so just as a placeholder we're going to call it a let's go brandon rally get prepared yeah, so buy, the signs, buy the signs buy the markers stay tuned for what we're writing on the signs you might, yeah, but you might get some further instructions uh, right before the 24th. But also, I think that you're going to see in the first two weeks of December opportunities to really rally and rally peaceably and to stand for your constitutional rights. There are some things coming up. Americans are going to have a chance to make their voice heard and to rally peaceably and to stand for something in a way that these goons can't take. They can, they're going to have to try to stop these rallies or they're going to have counter rallies or something. They're going to be so against any uh, the, the kind of rallies I'm thinking of. Uh, so we're putting, but we're just exercising our constitutional rights. So they're in the first half of December. Americans are really get your rally, get your rally cap on uh, mentally because there's going to be opportunities where you're called on to rally over the next four weeks. Well, I mean, should we should we have a should we have a conversation really quick about what's happened with the January sixth prisoners? I mean, the fact Ugh. that they're being abused in these in these deals, and you have congressmen that are going saying, "I want to inspect." These are people that that represent the people. I want to inspect the jail. Like, nope, we're not going to let you in. They don't have the authority to do what they're doing to these January sixth prisoners, and those judges should be thrown out, and the prisoners should be let out. None of these people. Do I hear that some marshals went in? Did I hear some marshals yeah. went in and inspected and said yeah. it was unsafe? They found appalling conditions, right? They Max, found that what least, would they say, Max? at least one of the they said that at least one of the prisoners, one of the quote unquote rioters, was diagnosed with cancer and they were deliberately withholding his chemotherapy treatments. So he has now been transferred out. He's being transferred to home detention so that he can actually fight cancer. But they were just going to let him die. And if you actually read the brief that the government filed, that the that the prosecutors filed, they knew that he was being denied cancer treatment, and they still painted the government's medical treatment of him as like satisfactory. And basically, they were writing, "Well, what else do you expect us to do?" Well, I, I don't know. Let him get cancer treatment. How about that? How about when people break their wrist, you don't just give them Tylenol. You at least let a doctor see it. You X-ray it. You put it in a cast. You don't just give them Tylenol for a broken wrist. But the government's literally saying, "Well, we're doing everything we have to do. What would you? What more would you have us do?" Meanwhile, there are people literally dying people, of country Bruce, cancer. 
those kinds of people behind that soup to nuts from the top of the chain of the command to the guy, the prisoner, they hate you. They hate you. I've known people like this. They hate America. They hate Americans. Yeah. They would, they hate you. They just hate you. And you know, the it, 10 it, steps to gen genocide, how there's that step where you dehumanize the other side and start conditioning people to see them as vermin and stuff that has been done to those people towards you. And that's 100%, why they can't do that. 100%. Yeah. Not, one of them has been, gotta, not one of them has been charged with sedition or conspiracy. These are basic charges of trespassing. Okay? In, no in arms, most worlds, no it's, a, it's a misdemeanor. Nobody had a weapon, and they're being treated like so. This is a Soviet gulag situation, and it's a disgrace. And actually, how the hell we can sit on the United States uh, or the United Nations uh, Council for uh, Human Rights anymore we, we should we should be banned from it based on the way we're treating these political prisoners now, the united gitmo states should be banned from more dc gitmo resembles more what you'd see in a middle eastern prison than what you'd expect exactly. to see in an american prison almost out of time joe do you want to say anything as we wrap up joe altman well i think that you know this this thing about the political prisoners hits hard you know obviously my brother was murdered by a police officer in 2017 in Virginia, yeah. and um, I've been fighting to, you know, get to the bottom of all of that for the last four years. So when you start looking at the judiciary and you start looking at the things that are happening, again, we're just seeing another veil be lifted that they are torturing and beating and hurting and and dehumanizing people within those prisons. And I got to tell you, if we're going to rally for anything at some point, we should stand together as men and get. 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 says send our political prisoners out, send our Americans out. And and frankly, Patrick, I'm going to say that, or we come in to get them, right? We can do no, it non-violently, but we can't. Don't, no, oh, let's not on, encourage Patrick. No, 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 because no. we're going to win this. We're on the verge of, we would have won January 6th had it not been really, we, we had 12 senators lined up. They were ready to challenge everything. It's when that happened that we lost it. And the next day they all just came in and gave up. We had 12 senators ready to vote against and to, and to demand like a week of, of checking into things. We lost January 6th because of what happened. Now I know that the people were probably egged into, who knows what role other people played in making it happen. But just be aware, we would have won January 6th had it not been for what happened. We had it all wired. And now I'm telling you, we have it wired. We're gonna over the, give us eight more weeks. And don't uh, we do not want violence, man? We lose if it's violent, and the other the other side are Americans too. But we it don't want have to be violent, but you got to show up, Patrick. You got to show up. You got to show up and and show that you care about your fellow American. What they do to you one of to us, they do to all of us. Peaceably yeah. rally. Our power comes from I, our ability I, to peaceably rally, not violently rally. I think I we need to take violence. the. I said, I, I, I think we need to take the. I think we need to take a, a lesson from the history books and what Lech Walesa did in in Poland during the the Solidarity Movement. To to it, he used he infused faith, deep Christian faith, with uh, resistance, nonviolent resistance, and I think that that combination, uh, rallying millions of Americans with faith and with. Uh, nonviolent resistance is going to is going to absolutely dismantle the left. We have to stay on point with that. We do have to stand up for people, and we have to stand up vociferously. But we've got to infuse faith in this. And I think uh, the the solidarity movement 
was a great example. He started years prior to that. He didn't just come out of the blue, uh, uh, you know, and two years later, the Soviet, uh, the, the, the wall fell. He was doing that for almost 20 years. He was, he was resisting. And he finally galvanized the Polish people and galvanized the entire Eastern European bloc to take down the Soviet Union. So I think we're at that moment right now. And we need to look at history. And, and as Patrick said, strong resistance, using faith, and, and um, not letting up. And I think we just have to look at history. There's plenty of, exa of examples of that. Yeah. We'll we are out this. of time, gentlemen. We are out of time, gentlemen. I want to thank you both for, for stopping by, Joe Flynn, Patrick Byrne. It was a great conversation. There's lots of work left to be done, but we are exposing more and more of it every day. The lies are being debunked. Obviously, Joe, your family is, uh, is, is happy to see some of these conspiracies on the left starting to get, uh, get unraveled, especially with what Durham's doing. Yeah. So we have, hey, last yeah, month, we have lots last, to do. Got a great line right. for you. Last month's conspiracy theory is this month's spoiler alert. Truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It really, it really is true. So we have lots of work left to do, but we can win this. God is on our side and momentum is certainly on our side. Thank you both for joining us, gentlemen. It was a really great right conversation. Thank, Thank you, Max. Thank you, Joe. Good seeing you. Love your passion, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Bye-bye. Right. God bless you guys. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. If you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the audio version. Make sure you check out all of our sponsors, Liberty Cigars. We still have that promo. If you spend $76 and use promo code BEFREE, you're going to get a free Patrick Henry cigar. So make sure you check that out in time for the holidays. Just go through all of our different sponsors, all of our different links. Sign up for the audio versions of the podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, and Audible. Check it out there. We go live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern. If you need a little help, you can sign up for our text alert system by texting the word FREEDOM to 89517. You'll get a text alert letting you know when we're going to air, what we're talking about, and how you can watch. So that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. My name is Max McGuire. My name is Joe Oltman. Remember, everyone, the fight to take back our country is not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together.